Alright guys, welcome to episode 3 of Teacher's Take. Today we're going to be going over some WVU football. Day before the big game, we got WVU basketball on deck. We're going to be going over our top 10, a little overview of the top 10 of the national rankings. Then we have some NBA headlines we got to cover. Then everybody's favorite thing to talk about this time of year, the NFL playoff push. And we actually have a little surprise at the end for everybody, Don. Yeah, it's, it's something interesting that um, we're going to cover. We'll save that for last. Um, so, again, it's uh, episode three. Uh, one thing I didn't mention in my introduction to myself uh, on, in our second episode, give a shout-out to my girlfriend, Jamie, Jamie Dalton. Um, give her the plug there. So, Jamie Dalton, that is my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> got to get you out of the doghouse somehow. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, ridiculed a little bit by her for not mentioning that. But um, <laughs> Anyway, so, guys, uh, this is the third episode, and it's brought to you by SCG Insurance Company. So SCG Insurance Company sells insurance throughout West Virginia and Virginia with offices in Beckley, Bell, Bluefield, Princeton, Bluewell, Welch, and Mullins. So pretty much most of the southern West Virginia area. Um, smarter insurance starts with experts who think a little differently. A company which understands your industry and what's on the line for you. At SCG Insurance, Inc., we've built our businesses creating innovative solutions to the toughest risk management challenges. Our clients' financial security and quality of life deserve <clears throat> our utmost importance to us. That's why, as our insurance advisor, we're dedicated to helping you make smart decisions, protecting you from the unexpected and planning for the predictable. SCG Insurance Company. Call 304-256-1668, 304-256-1668, and ask for our buddy Joe Wiley. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to go ahead and talk to you guys a little bit about them. Joe Wiley has saved me every bit of, I'd say, about $2,000 just in the past year and a half. He will literally do whatever he can to give you the best deal. So if you're trying to find a place to keep some decent coverage for your cars, your house, whatever, and you're trying to save a little bit of cash too, they're the people to get a hold of. Now let's get this thing on the road. All right, guys, welcome back. It's the first period. Uh, we're going to talk about some WVU football. Um, tomorrow's the big day, uh, playing Syracuse. And um, we got some tidbits here about some of the people playing, um, people in and out of both sides, lineup, point spread and whatnot. I'll let Eli chime in a little bit. Well, you know, we already knew that Greer wasn't going to play. We knew Jennings wasn't going to play. Uh Jennings has been battling that high ankle sprain. Greer's sitting out for bowl prep and everything. We've already covered all that. Yeah. Uh, but the guy that's going to intrigue me the most tomorrow is Allison. I, Allison. I'm getting super excited just thinking about him going out on that field and getting a shot at Syracuse. Because mm -hmm. I, I think we're going to be able to see what he's really made of. Do you think... Um, so, we, we, I mean, we've read um, some news breaks and things where they're saying Tre Trey Lowe is going to split some reps. Do you really think he's going to get a lot of playing time? I'm not sure. Um, I think if they play the offense like what I think they're going to run, I think that both the guys are going to be getting some decent showings. Mm -hmm. And I think they're both going to get an opportunity against the decent Syracuse defense. Mm -hmm. But if it comes down to it, like if, if Jack Allison is playing well um, and it's a competitive game, do you pull him and risk? Do you pull him and risk breaking up? You know, the fluidity and, and the flow. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is the Camping World Bowl, right? Right. I mean, it, we already saw what happened to the, what was it, the first responders bowl. 
where it was so lack of important that yeah. they literally let both teams get a couple possessions, a little bit of lightning and rain, and they don't even make it up. They quit. <laughs> I, I, this is one of those same kind of bowls. Yeah. It, so, um, I, so I think that honestly, you're just you're treating this like a live scrimmage, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I can somewhat agree with that. I think this game is going to have more importance to Syracuse mm-hmm. and their coaching staff because if they win, this is ten wins. Yeah. This is if they win this game, it, it, it's a ten win season for them, and. Um, you know, 10-win seasons in power conference football is tough. Yeah. Even though we've mentioned before the ACC is down. Yeah. Uh, I think Syracuse is going to be balls out, ready to play. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I can I think they are, but they're also going to be missing two of their top players. Right. Yeah, because we mentioned um, they got their Robinson, the defensive end. Oh, um, yes, that the big guy. Man, he's got like 10 sacks on 10 the year. 10 sacks on the year. Um, and I think their team all together has like 38 or something of that nature. A lot. Yeah, they, 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 they're big with sacks and they're big with turnovers. So um, their defense isn't very good statistically, but they do turn you over and they do get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have the defensive end or the defensive back, Gordy or Cordy. Yeah. Um, did you mention he's out for personal reasons, but uh, yeah, he's he was leading the team with what was it seven interceptions, yeah. and uh, overall they were seventh in the nation with seventeen interceptions as a team. See, so, and if, if I had to take a guess, I'm wondering if Robinson and maybe Cordy are doing some kind of draft type deal too, where they're sitting preparation. out, like or if they're not sitting out for like personal reasons, and by personal reasons I mean getting ready for the NFL Combine, some pro days, right, like. But, you know, it's one of those where we talked about with Greer. You know, What's the matter? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. if we're, they were playing for a Fiesta Bowl championship or a national title, I can understand. But this, not so much. So, um, uh, we I, were reading, Syracuse is, is looking to play more up-tempo and uh, spread. Yep. Um, but, you know, if anybody has really watched them, they don't really throw the ball around the field a lot. Uh, that quarterback... He's a, he's a one read and he's gone. Yes. If his hot route is not there, he's gone. Yeah. He's I mean, tucking and running. I mean, dude, he accounted for 32 of their 56 touchdowns this right. year. Right. And of those 32, how many were rushing? 15. For 15 of his were rushing. Right? Yeah, he had 15 of the 56 rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. led the team. Yeah. And he obviously led in passing touchdowns. He had 17 and mm-hmm. through the air. And overall, as a team, how many rushing touchdowns did they have? Oh, man, I'm trying to remember. Was it 37? It, yeah, I think it was like it was 35, 35, and he had 15 of them. Yeah, so uh, so they're they're a little more run dependent, and um, overall just rely on getting after the quarterback and turning the ball over. Because if you protect the ball and the quarterback, you could move the ball on Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a feeling that WVU is going to be able to protect both uh, Allison and Lowe. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the defense is going to be able to pin their ears back and get right. after them like they want, yeah. which is going to limit their turnovers because I think they were able to pressure and get those turnovers yeah. off of that. Um, one thing that worries me, we really like to uh, take a shot downfield. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as we've seen before, it takes a little extra time for those big plays to develop. Mm-hmm. So... See, we just got to hope that Allison and Lowe have chemistry with those guys that have been on the second team and the yeah. practice squad. Because um, that, that is going to be a huge plus for them because they're going to have rapport with those guys. Right, yeah, because when you're the backup or you're the third stringer um, and you're running 
when you're running practice squad and you're emulating a Kansas or you're emulating a Oklahoma, whoever it is you're playing against that week, mm-hmm. you do develop more chemistry with the backup receivers as well, tight ends, all of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be interesting to, to see it play out. Uh, I, I'm watching the game, absolutely. Does it have as much importance? No. Um, at the end of the day, I, I still bleed blue and gold, as most of our listeners probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch, to see where the potential is. Got to give David Sills a shout-out. Shout out. He's playing. Uh, I know if you, any one of you guys seen him on uh, social media, he, uh, he really, truly represents the university world class. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he earned his degree. He was, uh, he was stellar on and off the field. He did go try to pursue being a quarterback at JUCO and came back. It didn't work out, but he worked himself into becoming a hell of a receiver. He is a, a really good receiver, and he has a ton of potential, so I have to give that guy credit. Um, as far as Jennings and Greer and Kajusko, we talked about that before, man. Everyone has their own take on that. You know, I just you just got to love them and move on. They, they did all they could for the university while they were there. So I'm going to say um, – if WVU protects the quarterback and um, Allison and Lowe protect the football, I think WVU is going to win. I think Syracuse is going to be a little more motivated to play. Um, but I think Syracuse, their defense just isn't very good, and their offense is very run-dependent. So if they, if they spread us and um, try to run like a, a power run game through the spread, which is possible. We've seen Baylor and Oklahoma do that. That's where we really struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're down to seven uh, seven um, linebackers. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of guys out and a lot of guys, um, you know, preparing for the draft and whatnot. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think WVU is going to win, I would say, probably 35-28. I don't remember if I made a prediction on this earlier in the year. I'm going to say 35-28. Uh, Syracuse does, just doesn't have the offense to keep up. Mm-hmm. See, me, I'm just sitting here looking at it. I think going into halftime of the game tomorrow, I think Syracuse will probably either be winning by a few or it'll be a tied ball game. I'll say like 14-14, 17-14. But I think by the end of the game, the WVU Mountaineers are going to get it together and they're going to end up winning this ball game. I'll say, oh, goodness. I'll say probably about 31-14, 31-17. I think it's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. WVU just has too many good athletes. I like it. I'm going to say uh, <clears throat> if we contain their quarterback, it's Eric Dungy, right? Yep. If we contain their quarterback and don't let him get out of the pocket, make some plays with his legs, keep him in the pocket and make him be a passing quarterback, I think that's going to be our best chance to win. Syracuse's best chance to win is to get after that quarterback and to make him throw under duress. Mm-hmm. So. Jack, Allison, Trey Lowe, they can't throw the ball short. If they're going to air it out, they got to make sure that only one guy can get it, and that's the offensive player. And if he doesn't catch it, it just goes over their head. So. Yep, that's got to be in the game plan. Well, that wraps up everything for the big game tomorrow. That's going to move us on to second period. And welcome to second period, guys. Now, we got to talk about something before we get started on what the hell is going on with WVU basketball. So, guys, uh... We're now established on all forms of social media. We have, uh, t- uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Teachers Take, look us up, uh, like, follow, share, um, all the love you guys can give, word of mouth, whatever it is. 
Check us out on all the platforms. That's Facebook, Teachers Take. That's Instagram, Teachers Take. And that's Twitter, Teachers Take. Actually, it's Teachers Take WV. Teachers Take WV on all three platforms. On iTunes, it's Teachers Take with Don and Eli. Um, Give it a listen, subscribe, whatever you can do. We appreciate all the support. And um, we look forward to to gaining more listeners and uh, seeing how far we can take this thing. Yep. All right, Don. I've been watching WV basketball for a lot of years. Yeah. We played Jacksonville State before. <clears throat> Mid-major, man. I've never seen them look so crappy in all my life. I will say the Jacksonville State, uh, second place in their conference last year, pretty solid team, you know, in um, Murray State. Is that Murray State? Yeah. Uh, they beat us earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. These mid-majors that we're losing to are damn good mid-majors, but... Either way, they're still mid-majors. Yeah, when you when you play in the Big 12, you can't be losing to Murray State, Jacksonville State, or Mrs. O'Leary's Finishing School State. I right, don't. it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can't. Um, these are supposed to be tune-up games, and we're just – we don't have it this year, man. Um, it really reminds me a lot of the year um, – it may have been Jawan Staten's junior year. We had nothing. When um, we had Aaron Harris and um, – Henderson, Aaron Harris and Henderson. And both of those guys ended up transferring. Uh, Harris actually went to Michigan State and made a pretty big impact there. And Henderson went to uh, North Carolina State and made an impact there. But um, they didn't, they they just weren't WVU guys. I don't know what it is. And, um, you know, Staten really helped turn us around and point us in the right direction. And then um, Miles and, and Carter really built on that. And... Bolden has not helped bridge the gap with the young guys, and we really we didn't return a lot of experience uh, for the guards. Hartler played sparingly last year. Beetle the same thing. Um, Beetle's getting on my last nerve this year. Man, I love the guy because he's just a freak athlete, and he's herky jerky. He can get to the rim and he can shoot well, but he's just not playing well, man. I don't know if he's pressing too much. He's just, he doesn't look comfortable on the court. He doesn't look injured or anything like that. He just does not look comfortable on the court. Yeah. See, I've I've been watching quite a bit with these guards. And I'm going to tell you right now, if there was even one decent guard on this team that could shoot and pass the ball a little Take bit. Take care of the ball. Yeah. I, I mean, just listen to this stat line from all guards on the roster from the Jacksonville State game. 7 of 22 shooting. That's crappy enough. That's horrible. They scored 23 points on a total of 22 shots. That's Yeah, that's not even a point per shot attempt. Yeah, and then we got... Now, this wasn't too bad, but I'm wondering just how much of this was early on in the game because they only had five turnovers between all the guards, and they had 15 assists. Mm-hmm. That was divided up amongst about five to six guys. Right. So, it's, so they're still not distributing the ball. No, like um, especially against a mid-major team, like you got to be moving that ball around, getting guys good looks, mm-hmm. and I just haven't seen them do it most of the year. I don't know, I don't know where it went wrong or what's going on with this season. Um, there are a lot of facets to the game that you know really have to work together for the team to overall do well. But the guys that we have, they they don't fit the mold of what we try to do on offense or defense. Um, Sags provides us the post presence, but he won't come to practice, and or he doesn't practice when he does come. 
and Huggins is refusing to play him, and I, I don't I don't blame him on that part. You know, if you want to play in the game, you got to practice. It's just is what it is. But he provides us with a post post game presence. But um, outside of that, you know, the flex cuts, the high low action, none of that is working. We just we can't get into offensive sets. We can't move the ball around the perimeter. We can't reverse the ball from side to side to create mismatches or to get guys in space or to get them open shots. We just, it's just clunky and like mechanical on offense. It's just ugly. And then now, how, now how much of that do you think is the lack of experience from these guys? I think that that plays a role in it, but I think that these guys maybe don't have the skill set to do what Huggins wants them to do. Um, you know, he may have recruited them and, or maybe, you know, they're not fully buying into the system on both sides. I think that's something that really goes a long way. Uh, you know, as well as I know, for you to really produce and do well as a team, you have to fully buy in. Mm -hmm. Every individual has to understand their role and they have to embody that and they have to really, you know, accept it and grow and build and, and do it for each other. Don't worry about your personal success because that comes. Team success breeds personal success. Sags right now, if he had played the same ball that he's played all year and we were a top 15 team and he was the running to the rim, rebounding, blocking shots guy, he's going to be on the radar. He's going to be on ESPN every night. Yep. But we're not doing very good and he's not playing. See, I feel like last year to this year, last year we had Javon Carter and Sags that, or Sags that was on ESPN literally almost every night for some kind of freakish play that they were able to do. And this year, we don't have that same explosiveness. We don't have, we don't have that same hype. And, mm -mm. you know, I know that Javon Carter let, was a reason for a lot of our success, but I feel like as good a coach as Huggy is, you'd think that they'd be able to recruit a guy that could fill his shoes relatively quickly. quickly well and you know like i mentioned last episode man we don't have any juco's this year no. we don't have anyone that's really coming in and ready to make uh you know an impact um now there is a kid that i know is in juco ball right now mm -hmm. that if wvu would give him a chance he can make the same kind of noise that he made at south carolina right his name is Ra felder yeah. r-a-h felder he's yeah. playing at some juco down in arizona right now and he, him, Thornwell, Notice, and all those guys carried South Carolina to the Final Four. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Felder having some issues personally and getting in trouble off the court, he would still be at South Carolina, probably leading us just like he did before. Before, right, right. But, you know, he got in trouble. He mm -hmm. took his punishment from Frank Martin, who's a, yeah. you know, a Huggins And he comes protege. from Huggins, yeah. And if I think if Huggins was willing to give a guy like that a chance, yeah, which he he's been known to do, yeah, I he mean, could really make an impact. He could come in here with that McCabe kid. He could come in here with some of these young guys. Give him that leadership. Oh, dude, he he'd be a hell of a leader for yeah. that basketball team because he's he's gritty. He's tough. He's like five foot nine and he plays mean. Yeah, and and that's yeah. what that's what like a Javon doing. Carter. Yeah, I mean they're missing that edge. Yeah. Like they just don't they have don't have a edge. dog. They don't have a dog. Like nah. they don't have that guy that. That it doesn't matter if you're up by twenty or you're down by twenty, that guy that is, Wesley Harris could be that guy, but they they're struggling with that. Um, Why don't they give him the ball more? Like, Wes Harris, if Harris, if Harris had a mod's skill set, Harris would be a lottery pick because mm -hmm. Harris plays hard. He can shoot. 
he doesn't always make the smartest plays, man, but the guy plays hard, and he is huge. And in the last three to four games, he's been the best player on our team. Yes. The absolute best player. I mean, that's bar none. Nobody has played better than him in the last four games. Well, see, he flirted with a double-double against Jacksonville State. Again. And, I mean, that's like two or three games in a row for him. And then on top of that, dude scored 20 points on 11 shots. He's leading us in the last few games. He's leading us in scoring, uh, rebounding, and minutes played. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can't, because you can't take the guy off the field or the the court, because he's the only person that knows what's going on on both sides of the ball. And you got, dude. I'm sorry, like Issa has done a lot. for Issa us. Ahmad, four minutes. Yeah, four minutes. Huggins is fed up with him. If you want to play, show it. I'm pretty sure all of us are getting fed up with him because I ain't even gonna lie to you. Last year's team. It made me so mad watching him play. He doesn't try. No, no. He's <laughs> like, he's like um, noon ball. Like, everybody's played noon ball, right? Yeah. Whatever, men's league, whatever. He's that guy that just doesn't try real hard. He's just he's, he's taking up space. Yeah, yeah, he's just out there because it's something to do. Well, see, he, he's sort of like me on a basketball court. I'm pretty sure I can go out there for four minutes and get his stat line. Right. Like, and I'm 250 pounds and five foot nine. And he, <laughs> that guy is blessed with God-given height, God-given ability, yeah. and he's wasting it. But you know what he doesn't have? What? Work ethic. None. What's, what's the cliche? It's it's um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yep. And that is Issa Ahmad right there in a nutshell. It is. And, you know, I don't know what the deal is. Like, I don't know if last year Carter was able to kind of get work out of him by, you know, dogging him like Kobe used to do to Dwight Howard. Right, right. Or if maybe he's got something, maybe he's got something personally going on that's putting him in a funk. I don't, I don't think he's a leader. He is not a leader. He he was solid last year because Javon embodied that leadership role. Mm-hmm. But Do we don't it, have a leader this year. Is it like too much weight on his shoulders maybe and he's just crumbling under it? I think it's a lot of things. I think for the I think the biggest thing is he was looked at to be the leader. But I don't feel like he's fully bought into the program mm-hmm. or into what we're trying to do. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. So he he's not meant to be a leader, and he's not buying in. And then the rest of the team kind of fits that right there. And then you you stack that with um, Sags not practicing or playing, and it's hard to have success when your two best players don't play or aren't bought in and aren't really playing West Virginia brand of basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, Brandon Knapper, he's probably our better, our best guard, uh, but he still, he, he turns the ball over. He does get us into our sets, and, and he does, you know, he's a solid offensive player, but he's just, he's still careless with the ball. Um, what would you say his stat line read? For who? Brandon Knapper. Brandon Knapper, man, I think he ended up with like four points and a couple of assists. Wasn't anything major. Nothing at all. to write home about. Yeah, I um, mean, it wasn't anything to brag to his mama about. Right. That's for sure. Beetle Bolden, I've said, I'll say it, I, it forever. His reference is he's a shooting guard or a two guard, and a one guard or a point guard's body. Yeah, and he just he can't run the offense. He can't. He is good when he can play off the ball, and he can run off screens, or he can attack the rim. He's not good at getting us in our sets. And um, getting the ball worked around the perimeter and getting guys good shots. That's not him. And Chase Harler, he's solid, man, but Harler is our Nathan Adrian. He mm-hmm. is the glue guy. He is the play defense, knock down open shots guy. He's not the 
break down the defense one-on-one, uh, create uh, a mismatch or, or draw a double-team kick for an open shot. That's not who he is. He's the guy that receives that. He's the guy in the corner knocking down open shots mm-hmm. or the guy crashing the glass to get you an offensive board um, You know, or just dogging guys out on defense. He is not the go-to guy. He can't be. He just his, his ability and his skills do not match up to that. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give a correction to my stat line. On Brandon Napper? Yeah, Napper ended up with 12 points, but he had three assists and three turnovers. And then Harler was the one that I got mixed up. He ended up with four points, yeah. four assists, yeah. and he actually was one of the only guards that had no Zero turnovers. turnovers yeah. So his plus minus is pretty solid, but he's still he's just not a point guard. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why the young guy McCabe's not playing. I don't get it. Like McCabe must be having some kind of issue in practice, or maybe he's having an issue getting the playbook ingrained in his head. But I just, I don't know what his deal is. Like, I would not be surprised if he transfers, man. Like he, he. And you watch, he's going to transfer back to stinking Wisconsin, and he would fit that program. And he would, and he's going to be a dog, and he's going to probably go on and be an All American because. Yeah. Look at what happened the last time we had that Harris kid. Mm-hmm. He ended up going up to Michigan State and balling yeah. out. And I think he's playing pro ball, isn't he? Uh, overseas. <laughs> like, um, those are the kind of guys we got to get to stay. And the only way to make them stay, I know. I, I mean, I, <laughs> who who like who should be on the floor more than him? Brandon Napper with three assists and three turnovers, nah. or Beetle Bolden with a lackluster it, stat line. About like five points and five uh, five assists. Two turnovers. Right. Like, why doesn't he deserve to play? Like, it's not like those guys are playing better defense, you know? I mean, hell, none of them play defense. Exactly. Um, but the same thing, the same thing, it comes down to this, man. We have too many turnovers. Too many turnovers. We cannot trap. That We can't trap. We can't half court, three quarters court, full court. We can't trap. Is, guys can't do it. We don't it, have the personnel to do it. Can't it, do it. Is it just a stupidity thing or what? Because, like, I, I knew how to run a trap. When I was playing middle school ball. It's not that. They're not buying in. That's what it is. I, I, I think that I have my mind made up. They're not buying into the system and to Huggins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an ugly year. Like we mentioned earlier, uh, if we get into the big tournament, we're going to be a 11, 12 seed, if that. And, you know, we may even have to win the conference tournament to, to make it. But uh, I, I don't see us making it as an at-large. I I'm, think that's a long shot. I'm and, thinking NIT or the CBIs in their future. Yeah, I'm going with you on the NIT. Um, moving forward, man, we have to get better recruits. Or uh, the guys have to buy in or we need to run a more player-friendly style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's something that's a little detrimental to us is the style that we play is not what kids are playing. Kids aren't growing up playing the type of ball that we play. You know, kids are growing up playing that the Duke style where it's a, f- a free-flowing or a Golden State style to reference them. It's free-flowing. You yeah. know, Mike D'Antoni or his brother down at Marshall, it's a free-flowing, wide-open, fun, run-and-gun, play hard on both sides of the ball, get a good shot early, take it. You know, it, play defense, have fun playing. Like we Ma- Basically we, maximize possessions. Right, and that's not what we do. We max, we do the opposite, which we do maximize possessions, but we rely on hard-nosed defense and to, to offensive rebounds. Yeah. Often, like We get more possessions by trying to turn you over and crashing the glass. Mm-hmm. Those guys don't need as many possessions because... They don't miss. <laughs> right, but they're getting more possessions because of the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's on both sides. Yeah. So... It's uh, it's just a different brand of ball, man. And uh, 
we play ugly ball. We always have under Huggins. And, you know, maybe early on when Huggins came over and he had some of the B-line players, it was a little more fluid. But B-line wasn't big on defense. He was more of an offensive guru, which you see him now. Look at them. I mean, who wouldn't want to play at Michigan right now? The style that they play, the brand that they play. Well, and the recruits that he was able to bring in, man, it was yeah. ridiculous. Like I remember that first group he had was like three stars, mm-hmm. a bunch of no-name guys, and then by the end of his tenure with us, we were getting the Joe Alexanders of the world that yeah. were all Americans. Yeah, solid guys. And um, I think it's going to be a long basketball season, man. I mean, I'm still going to watch. You know, all the one thing that I don't like about living in Southern West Virginia is the uh, people give up. Well. And, the AT&T channel from Pittsburgh, we don't get that. You, no Satellite, can't get it on satellite, can't get it on cable, and they don't have an app or any way that you can download and stream, or you can't even pay to play or watch it. So, um, you know, our location, we don't get to watch a lot of games, and this year we're not going to be on a lot of nationally televised games. So outside of the uh, Kansas 12. and Oklahoma, like the top-tier Big 12 games, we probably won't get to watch a lot of WVU yeah. Uh, dude, I'm sitting here looking at the TV schedule. For the rest of the year, as of now, we have three games on national, national TV. National TV, yeah. And the rest of them are going to be maybe, here, we'll throw you in on an ESPN3 or something yeah. of that nature, but yep. that's and that's about it. Absolutely, and that's that just is what it is, man. I mean, last year, uh, damn near every game we played was nationally televised. Yeah. You know? Um, so, we'll say uh, big tournament or bust, and... Um, backup plan as the NIT man I say I say 18 wins and uh, we'll go to the NIT and I think Huggins brings in some different talent next year which we did just what's the guy we just got back oh that big the big center yeah he's like the power forward yeah I'm trying to remember what that kid's name is can't remember I want to say it's Carver I can't remember can't quote me on that yeah I just remember that it was a huge deal when they signed him I know they're looking at a kid out of Oak Hill it, well, we got two of them that are officially signed. Oscar Tishabiwe out of Hermitage, Pennsylvania. He's a five star. Five star. Yeah, that's the that's the dude from um, Africa that's friends with uh, Sags. Yeah, and then we got Miles McBride out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He's a point guard, so maybe we're looking at maybe a Javon Carter level guy. Hey man, I'm telling you, anybody that comes out of the inner city Cincinnati, they're dogs, man. Mm-hmm. They play ball up there. I mean, we got a, we got a couple kids that were high on their list, including the JUCO small forward man. It, just like what we've been talking about, that's the kind of guy we need. Yes, we need a JUCO guy. We, you you know what this team needs? What Teddy buckets? Yeah, that's why, like if that guy hadn't transferred, he would be making an impact on this yeah, team. I right see. Now. I don't really blame him for transferring. To be Me really neither. Weird. You know, I read up some on him. He um he he's suffering with some depression and different things and um he's just trying to get his mind right so he transferred to wichita state and um you know he's gonna be a stud i believe but uh i i just wish he would get his get himself healthy and uh ready to go uh culver the guy's name is culver um you see Derek culver so he was uh he had some issues don't really know the full ins and outs of it but um he missed the, the basically the first base the first semester. Mm-hmm. So um, Culver played ten minutes, had four points, and a rebound. So he didn't make too much of an impact. I think that he could make more of an impact moving forward as he gets his legs back and uh, gets a second wind. Yeah. So, um, but guys, uh, you know that's going to wrap up the second period, and uh, we're going to move on to the third period. All right. See you in a bit.
Welcome back, guys. It's third period. Uh, this segment, we're going to talk about the NCAA basketball headlines. Um, Duke back at number one. Kansas uh, loses, I don't know if you could say a shocker. Maybe it was a shocker. They lost on the road against Arizona State, dropped down to number five. And, um, yeah, just we're going to briefly talk about the top ten NCAA and uh, do a little hot take on Steve Alford. So um, I'll let you uh, branch out into this, Eli. Um, we got Duke sitting at number one, man. How do you feel about them? Bro, they're, I'm just going to have to jump on the hype train. They had that loss on a neutral court in Hawaii. Again, to a very well-coached Gonzaga I mean, team. I mean, Mark Few, he's always got that Gonzaga team mm-hmm. locked and loaded and ready to go. And Duke's just got too many weapons. And I, I think that one loss has kind of helped them figure it out a little bit. Yeah, um, I think uh, Coach K used that one loss to be like, okay, guys, you thought you knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Now buy into what I'm doing. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, unreal. That's what I think. When I think of Duke basketball, Zion Williamson and um, uh, uh, RJ, RJ Barrett, Barrett, and then you got the shooter Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. I mean, and man, then they got then they got uh, Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Yes, <laughs> they have they have a potential starting five lottery, like all five starters potentially could be lottery picks. Yeah, you know what I think of when I watch them, hmm. Michigan. Fab Early five. 90s, yeah. Fab Five level basketball. Yeah. I think that, and then I think um, a little more recently, I think Kentucky with John Wall. Um, uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis. Uh, Eric, Bl- oh, no, Eric Bledsoe Davis. was his backup. Yeah, Davis wasn't on that team. Davis was on a couple years later. It was uh, Patrick Patterson from Huntington. That's right, yes, yes. And then uh, there was a fifth one. He, he, I don't Was think it Miller? Might have been. Shooter? Uh, it might have been. Yeah, but, either way. Yeah, that's but, the most recent power team I think of. You want to take a wild guess on who Kentucky was only regular season loss to was that year? South Carolina. Indeed. Devin <laughs> Downey dropping a 40-plus point game against Kentucky. Devin Downey, the 5-5 nightmare. Yep, and Mr. Overseas himself. Yep. Well, that was neither here nor there. That was just really aw- That just brought up a really awesome memory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we got number two, we got Michigan. I but, think, um, for me, man... Michigan is the golden state of college basketball. Bayline. <laughs> yeah. Bayline, they got the they play fun, they play free, they play hard. They play both sides. This is not just a run and gun team that doesn't play defense. They dog you out on defense and they have athletes and they can they can switch. Um they have most like all four guys, maybe all five guys, depending on what lineup they have, can handle the ball. They create for each other, they crash the glass, they play D man. They're they're fun to watch. They are. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you this. I respect the Jordan Poole kid. I think he is one of the best guards in basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I cannot stand watching him. He, <laughs> he reminds me so much of watching James Harden with the flopping. Oh, gosh, I, yeah. I watched him play a couple games earlier this year, and literally the guy would get at the three-point line, chuck up a shot, and fall backwards like somebody just shot him with a – You know who else arrow? does that? Who? Lamont West. Yes. Lamont West. But, you know, I think uh, – I can't stand that. Me neither. Me neither. It's like there's no place in there. And yeah, Um, yeah. I read a tidbit the other day as far as the flopping in the NBA goes. You know, two years ago they made it a a, made it a a goal or an objective to to really crack down on that. Yeah. Since that season, there's been a handful of flopping calls. Yeah. So they're not calling it anymore. It's back to the same old thing. You watch NBA. Watch how many guys are out there flopping. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they fixed the problem. Um. So we got Tennessee sitting here at number three, man. And uh, who's their best player? 
Uh, Admiral Schofield. Ad, yes, that that kid. I always want to call him Colonel because it just makes me think of the military. <laughs> right. But, dude, that 30-point game he had, yeah. that, that was um, ridiculous. You know, I'm going to say if uh, he, like Zion Williamson, if uh, the NBA or professional basketball does not work out, both of those guys could be tight ends or defensive ends. I mean, you see that guy? He's 6'6", 240, and he's a guard. And he's jacked. <laughs> <laughs> and he can he can do all like he can shoot he can rebound he can d he he's a you know ever since people started hyping up Draymond Green you've seen more of these Swiss Army knife players yeah like even yeah. when Draymond was at Michigan State everybody was hyping up that kind of player yeah and when you it's sort of like in baseball if you have a five tool guy they can play everywhere if you have a five tool basketball player so to speak they yeah. can play everywhere absolutely man and and they're fun to watch mm-hmm. the effort and 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 you know. The passion and the effort that the guy plays with, he's just, he's tough. Dude, that Memphis-Tennessee game was fun to watch. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I thought not only were the players about to get into it. The coaches. Yeah. yeah. I honestly wanted to see Penny Hardaway slug Mr. Barnes. <laughs> I, I can't stand Barnes anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we got UVA. Uh, you know, UVA is a tough basketball team. You know, um, until UVA can make some noise in the tournament, I cannot take them seriously. See, I get that. I get that. But UVA is a highly competitive team that lost in a fluke game last year. What about the year before? Or the year before? Man. They don't make noise in a tournament. They don't. They always lose before they're supposed to. But it, could it be the hype train? Like, do you think <laughs> maybe. Maybe that, Do you think people just see the regular season record and hype them up and just expect them to well, lead on? they play in probably the toughest basketball conference in the ACC, and, and they're always top three in their league. And they deserve that high rating when it comes to the tournament because they do play in a tough league and they do have quality wins. And I don't understand how they can play so well in conference and go to Duke and go to North Carolina or at home against the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Florida States and and beat them. But when it comes to the tournament and, you know, some Joe Schmo team or or an average middle-of-the-pack other power conference team, they just can't compete. They don't do it. They but just... the but thing is, think about when they had Malcolm Brogdon. That's, all, that's the only shooter they really had that year. Well, um, they, they had, had Justin Anderson, but he – Justin Anderson had appendicitis, and he missed a few games that season. Um, but see, like, for me with the NCAA tournament, it really just kind of sucks because for UVA, it's – like, they're one of those teams where one's kind of matchup can completely screw with them. But, you know, them, the the way that UVA wins is they enforce their game. They enforce their style of play. Yeah. Which is control the pace, methodical, fewer possessions, fewer shots, play tough defense, rebound, don't turn the ball over, don't foul. Yep. That's They're like the Patriots of college basketball, right? <laughs> Just screw up the least. Yes. You know, they, they, they're very well coached, but... They just can't win that big game, man. And that, that's the only thing that worries me. They can't win the big game. Um, All right, next up on the plate, we got Kansas. Kansas, uh, their big guy, he, I can't remember his name. Azabuki. Azabuki, yeah. He's tough. And, um, you know, he's been injured with an ankle sprain. And he makes them a different team when he's on the floor. Yeah. But, you know, to go to Arizona State and lose, um, that's a power conference, man. And, and that's that's a long trip for Kansas. To go out there and lose, it's and a tough Ari- loss. Arizona State's a tough environment to play in. Dude. Yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime you're on the road anywhere, it doesn't matter. Even if you know it's a scrimmage and you're playing a D two school on the road, it's never, it's never easy. Um, Kansas is tough. Their guards are really good. If their guards make shots and uh, Azubuki protects the rim, 
and doesn't get into foul trouble or stays healthy, I think that at the end, at when it comes tournament time, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, see, man, if you got a good post player and good guard play in tournament, yeah, you got it made. Well, and see, at Bluefield State, we ran Kansas's offense. We ran four around one. Mm-hmm. You have one post presence, and you had four other guys that just operated on the perimeter with a motion style. You know, you back screen, you ball screen, you banana cut, wide cut, UCLA cut, whatever you want to call it. And um, it's, a, it's really fun to play that style, man. And I think the biggest thing that Azabuki provides is what Sags provides for WVU is a rim protector. So Kansas's guards are allowed to play more aggressive because when they pressure the guard, that they're the guy that they're guarding, and they get beat, they have that shot blocker behind them, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes a world of difference when you're playing perimeter defense. So, moving on to number six, this Nevada team is very intriguing. They they have five guys that are huge. I think you know their team height probably averages six six. And they're just a lot of fun to watch. They have a lot of long athletes. They can guard multiple positions. They play fluid. Um, they're just fun to watch, man. West Coast basketball is its a lot different than East Coast ball. You know what I mean? Like, we, we're accustomed to New York ball and to, like, Cincinnati ball. Like, they're just rugged, beat-you-up basketball. But they play different out there, man. And I think they're fun to watch. Well, see... I've noticed that you remember how Huggins used to always have everybody on the floor would be like six 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 eight be the same weight. I think that's kind of what these West Coast teams are adapting to. They usually have about four guys that are the same size, maybe one guy that's a little bigger, and they let him run the five spot. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nevada reminds me of, man. They just they're loaded with guys that are about the same size, so they're kind of inner. They can just kind of play any one through four. They, they can. And then they got one big guy that lowers the boom in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're they're going to win the Mountain West. They're going to win it hand down. Like yeah, a, they, they 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 very well should. And even if they don't win it, they're getting an at, at large bid. Yeah, I'm about to say it's going to come down to them and San Diego State more than likely. Yeah, and San Diego is well coached, and they're a solid team. Yeah. Um, they're always fun to watch too. But they they play a different brand. San Diego State is a more defensive oriented, get out and transition team. Yeah. But um. Now this now this next one, I, how Gonzaga has fallen all the way down to the sixth spot is beyond me, but they're there. Uh, so, oh, sorry, seventh Seven, spot. Yeah, 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 apparently I'm a math teacher and I forgot. How to count. <laughs> no, but they they fell down to the seven. Um, they're down at the seventh spot, but the thing is with them, they had what one loss to Tennessee. And it took a guy like Admiral Schofield to, to go take, for thirty. I mean, he takes over the game. Yeah, Tennessee wins. Um, you know, and they got that one big kid in the middle. That he's he's Japanese. Yeah, and, and he's, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Gonzaga, just like UVA, it's just an extremely well coached program. Yep. They get the most out of every single player. You know they. Guys go there because they want to play for Mark Few, and he's a hell of a coach, man. We're we're talking about a mid-major program, year in and year out, nationally ranked, national TV regularly, you know? Like, most of these mid-majors, if you don't win your conference, you're not making it. Nope. Er, er, uh, Gonzaga doesn't have to. They're going to get in as an at-large. If St. Mary's beats them, because it's usually, what, Gonzaga and St. Mary's for the... Uh, the Western what conference? West Coast Conference. The West Coast Conference. So, 
it's usually them playing in the conference championship, and you know, it th- doesn't matter. Gonzaga's going to get an at-large if they don't win out. Um, yeah. And they'll probably be a, a fairly good seed. Um, yeah, I, they'll end up being a one or a two, and they'll make a deep run. They, yeah, they, they always do. Yeah, that's just what they do. And, you know, they got a whole bunch of older guys. I'm sitting here looking at their roster. Retro juniors, juniors. Juniors, just seniors, mature guys. They've been around the program. They understand both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So um, moving on to number eight. Um, well, number Yeah, number eight here. We have uh, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, watching Michigan State play, they're, they're, they, they play a different brand. They they don't necessarily shoot as well from the outside, but um, they got a solid inside presence. Uh, the big guy down there, he's a little uh, shorter, but he's got some weight. He can move around, and he's got a solid left hand. And uh, my biggest thing with Michigan State, man, is they're solid preseason, but you know how do they hold up long term in conference? Because um, not that the Big Ten is anything to rave about, but um, you know there'll be some tough games that come. And um, how do they hold up in conference? Do they come out? At the end of the year, going into the uh, Big Ten tournament, are they sitting there with four to five conference losses, or are they sitting there with eight to ten conference losses? So that'll be interesting to see. Well, see, I'm sitting there looking at their schedule, man. They got beat against Kansas to start the season off. Mm -hmm. They lost by five. Kansas is tough. Like, we're all in agreement on that. Their second loss was at Louisville, and if you haven't – Seeing how the KFC Yum Center is. Oh, it's phenomenal. Hey, I mean, it's an amazing arena, but man, if I'm the away team, I don't think I could hear myself think. Probably not. It's huge. In it, there. I mean, and they've lost two games by a combined nine points, and they were really tough ball games. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, Michigan State's got to get the nod up there with Michigan. Like, by the end of the year, Michigan, Michigan State are going to be 1 2 in the yep. Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Well, Ohio State's is solid. I don't know that they're as good, but yeah. You see, I just can't. I, I'm not going to say anything nice about Ohio State. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I hate Ohio and I hate Ohio State. That's None. fair enough. <laughs> um, moving on to Florida State. Florida State has athletes and they play defense, as usual. They yeah. have athletes, they play defense. And they always have, you know, a couple of pros on their team. Every year, they always have a couple of pros on their team. Yep. And their coach is a hard-nosed coach. He coaches hard. His players play hard. They respond to it. He has a good culture down there. Um, they play in a tough conference. It's going to be interesting to see how they play long-term, how they play out. You know, do they – do? because, you know, in years past, they've uh, – Gone into conference play, ranked high, and, and ended the season unranked, and you know maybe not even made the tournament. So I think it would be fun to watch. See, I'm eager to see how they play in a couple games. On New Year's Day, they play Winthrop at home. Uh-huh. But on January 5th, they go to UVA. Yeah, that's a tough game. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a top 10 matchup, just seeing how they play against them. I'm mm-hmm. eager to see that one. Yeah. They, like you said, they got some athletes, some high flyers, oh, yeah. some good defenders. Always. And it, it's going to be a good matchup for mm-hmm. sure. And then wrapping up the top ten here, we have uh, Virginia Tech, man. And I don't, I don't like Virginia Tech, but I tell you, Buzz Williams is a hell of a coach. He is. He, um, his players have bought in, and they're they're fun to watch. And it'll be interesting to see where they go moving forward. Uh, they've made the tournament in the past, and he's really turned the program around. Um, you know, the guy's a coach. He's a coach. He plays. He he coaches hard. Uh, if anyone's ever watched Buzz Williams on the sideline, he he like I think he sweats more than I he, do. He he really does. You know, some some NBA guys uh, they switch jerseys at halftime. Mm-hmm. 
I think he needs to switch button ups at halftime. Man. Yeah, like, just, just I think get you a, a new button up and yeah. But I say he just needs to get a get a hold of one of those clothing companies and just have them have like a whole new suit at halftime that he switches yeah. into. Yeah, yeah, or like maybe um, get some engineers because Virginia Tech's an engineering school. Get some engineers to build build in some like fans. Yeah, get like have a cool like system. Air raid, yeah. Have him air raid out his outfit. Yeah, man, because that guy, he, yeah, he's a he's a trip. Um, so another little interesting tidbit uh, you and I were talking about in the production meeting. Steve Alford is on the hot seat, um, which is not really the, the topic that we're going to go with, but it brings up an interesting take. So yeah, Steve Alford's a solid coach. He's bounced around from a couple of different programs. Um, he went from a small school to Iowa, had some allegations with a player at Iowa, uh, moved from Iowa to to New Mexico, and from New Mexico he landed at UCLA. And at UCLA he's been average uh, at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but with these prestigious big-time programs, man, you are ridiculed when they play bad as the coach because you are the face of that sport, mm-hmm. and you're praised when they play well. But my question is... Uh, how early is too early to be on the hot seat? For me personally, I don't think it's too early at all. Yeah. I don't think you can ever have too early of a hot seat. You look at a situation like UCLA, look at the coaching legends that have been there. Yeah. There's a lot of prestige with that position. Absolutely. And if you don't follow suit and you don't put the program up in the limelight like they want, especially mm-hmm. being in L.A. The boosters, and, and like you're saying, the boosters and, and the tradition and the values of that program, and they have the highest standard. Mm-hmm. You have to make the tournament. You have to make the Final Four, the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16 every year. Mm-hmm. And if not, then they're they're going to kick well, you out. Well, see, like I think even for Alfred, but Alfred, like I can't even be mad at people for being upset with him right now. They're losing too many ball games. Oh, they are. I mean, they it, are. It, especially the Pac-12 is down. It's always down, but they're not even in conference yet, and they're losing games. I know, and and that's the sad part. Is like a program like UCLA, they should be top ten every year, mm-hmm. in in my opinion. Like if I I think of the stories and the history of that program, they should be with Duke and Kentucky every mm-hmm. year, top five programs. Well, and I think the top five programs. I I don't maybe you know maybe I'm crazy. I don't think you necessarily have to be the best recruiter. At a top five program, mm-hmm. I think Kansas recruits itself. UCLA recruits itself. Kentucky recruits itself. Yes. Duke, Carolina, they recruit themselves. Just the university's name recruits itself. Now, yeah. you know, I know a lot goes into that, but um, style of play and location and all that. But ask any any top one hundred kid who wouldn't want to play at those five universities. I mean, they're all going to say absolutely. I mean, did you get to play on the same court, John Wooden? walked on right kareem abdul jabbar yeah. like some I, of the greatest yeah. yeah i would say lonzo ball but we don't know yet yeah it's too early <laughs> um my thing is it's amateur sports and you know i mean we could argue that we've argued that before but it's amateur sports these kids are adolescents or, or you know pre-adults basically and we we can't hold them to like an NBA professional standard, and you know, is it fair to hold the coach to the same standard? Yes. Um, but you know, because he's he's relying on these kids to play well, to buy into his system, and you know, he 
they're not grown men, you know, they're, they're 18, 19, 21 year old kids and you're relying on their success. And, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, his job is to get the best out of the players to, to recruit the best players. And I get that. But then, you know, in retrospect, he's coaching kids, man. Like they're not grown men. I get that, but he's the leader of those men. He is. And for him, if my job, if my sole job is to go out, recruit kids that fit my system, mm-hmm. and play the best brand of UCLA basketball that we can play, and I'm not doing it, I don't deserve that job. And I agree. You know, I can agree with that because, as we said, the rich tradition of UCLA. Um, I just think it's it's an interesting thing to, to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, these high-profile jobs have super high standards. Um, I think... When you think of sports in general, NFL probably has the highest standards and the shortest, uh, the shortest fuse, so to speak, for hiring and firing coaches. I mean, those are billion-dollar corporations for teams too. Yeah, I mean, it's win now. You don't, you don't have time in the NFL. I mean, outside of the Bengals, you don't have time in the NFL to not do well. How long is Marvin Lewis going to make the media? <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, um, I think. Uh, it's not necessarily win now. At this point, when you look at firing a, a college coach in the middle of the year, whatever sport it may be, when you fire them in the middle of the year, that can really take a toll on the university and that program. Um, because that guy, next year, Steve Alford, I don't know what his recruiting class is looking out, but he could have a solid recruiting class coming there next year. Mm-hmm. You drop him now, those guys aren't coming there to play. No. And then you've got to look at, most universities, when they fire a coach or let a coach go, they allow the full team the opportunity to transfer. Mm-hmm. And Which is honestly how it should be because yeah. a lot of these guys are committing to a coach. Right, not they're necessarily not. A place. Right, yeah, yeah. Which kind of contradicts of what we're saying as those places recruit themselves. But they do. Yeah. But a lot of players still go to play for a coach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at them, man. They have zero commits for next year. Zero. Yeah, and it's yeah. It, it it ain't looking pretty for him. No, so um, you know, the whoever you recruit next, start from the bottom and build up. It's not easy, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I don't. I, there's a lot of hot name recruits out there, or hot name coaches out there. Um, and just I don't know how early is too early. You know, you, you say right away. Um. I don't know. I don't like the idea of firing a college coach in the middle of the season. I think if you're going to fire him, fire him after the conference tournament. And See, I, if they fire him, I, I'm on the same boat with you. It, I think they just ride out this yeah. suckiness that's about to happen the rest of the year. Because you're not going to hire – if you fire him – They're just going to hire his, his assistant. Yes, and he's still going to get paid. Yeah. You know, and if you fire him and you hire one of his assistants as the interim – you're going to start a coaching search, but whoever you hire to coach, they're going to be behind in everything. They're not going to have recruits. You know, they're not going to have their program or their their style implemented. So, you know, I think it's it's tough. Um, but we'll see. You know, hey, they they may turn it around in Pac-12, and you know, they may come out with an NCAA bid, and you know, we next year we might be talking about man, look what Steve Alford did. So, um, that's going to do it for this take, and uh, we're going to move on to the fourth period. All 
Alright guys, welcome to fourth period. We're going to go ahead and go over our NBA power rankings. We're going to do it a little different than last time. We're only going to talk about the top four in each conference. For, so that's four in the east, top four in the west. I'm going to give you my four, Don will give you his four in each conference. Uh, to lead it off, I'm going to go ahead and throw out my top four in the east. My top four in the east are number one, the Bucks. Number two, the Pacers. Three, Raptors. Four Sixers. I got him in that order because, for me, the Bucks got the Greek freak. He's going to be able to take whatever he wants to do and absolutely dominate a game. Uh, so the only thing that I'll say about the Greek freak is um, when it gets to the playoffs and, you're, and the possessions have more value and the floor shrinks, is he going to be able to really get to the rim? And, and is it going to show that that jump shot needs to be Better than what it is now. And it, really with the Bucks, if they can find a way to get Bledsoe shooting yeah. like what he used to be able to do, mm -hmm. they might be okay. Yeah. Uh, and then my number two was the Pacers. I think with Victor Oladipo, he, if anybody can carry Indiana to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's Victor Oladipo. Oladipo is a gamer, man. He, he will sing the national anthem, drop 30 points, and go home with a supermodel. He's that guy. Yeah, he's just that type of dude. Uh, then we uh, number three, I have the Raptors, and that's probably going to come as a shock to a lot of people because so many people have them hyped up as like the number one or number two team in the mm -hmm. league. For me, they haven't really played a whole lot of stiff competition yet. They the competition they played are like bottom tier yeah. NBA teams. Um, I still think Kawhi is providing um, a championship level of leadership and pedigree, and same thing with Danny Green. Kyle Lowry's breaking out of his shooting slump, and um, they're still a really good team. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ball to be left, though, left yeah. to play. And then I've, my last spot in the East, I've got the Philadelphia 76ers. Enough can't be said about Butler coming over in that mm -hmm. trade and seeing Simmons, him, and Embiid actually mm -hmm. somewhat gelling together. Yeah. I, I know they don't have as good a sharpshooting, mm -hmm. but if they can get to the rim like this, for the rest of the year and maybe even in the postseason, they could make a deep run at this. I say um, their Achilles heel is their outside shooting, as well as when the floor shrinks, is Ben Simmons going to make as much of an impact? I think that's that's going to be the keys for them. Um, Jimmy Butler is a great player. J.J. Redick, it stretches the floor. He's a good player as well. So um, for me, my top floor is looking like um, I got Toronto at number one, man. And, uh, you know, same thing, championship pedigree. Uh, leadership and just overall really good team playing well together and playing in a weaker conference though. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, I have Milwaukee, and for the same reasons is um, I love uh, Jonas and I think he's on his way to being the face of the NBA, but he needs to develop that jump shot. Yep. Um, when he does figure that out, there's not going to be anybody stopping him in the Eastern Conference. No way. Number three, I have Indiana. It's same thing. Same thing. I got. I love Victor Oladipo. Man, he's fun to watch. He's a great athlete. Gets to the rim, creates shots for other people. You know, he he does a lot of things that don't always show up in the box score. Mm -hmm. And number four, I'm looking at Boston. Um, you got Kyrie sitting there the, on Christmas Day dropping 40 points, and when he's on, they're tough. And I think they're still learning and developing as a team. They're all still buying in and trying to figure out their roles because, uh, you know, you got a lot of guys. You got Hayward, Tatum, and Brown, all very similar players. And then you have um, Marcus Smart, 
Terry Rozier and Kyrie Irving, all very similar players. And, um, you know, only five guys can be on the court at one time. Well, it's always nice to have that interchangeability deal, like where they can play one to three, four to five. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's nice to have that. Yeah, it makes them versatile as a team. Uh, so moving on to the West Coast, you know, I know the Warriors. I got Warriors at number one. I know they struggled on Christmas Day. Um, you know, we, and last year at this time, they lost on Christmas Day, and it wasn't a great game. They don't ever really play good on Christmas Day. But uh, they're still the best team in the league. Until someone dethrones them in the playoffs, they could care less about the regular season. Yeah. And, I, and I'm on the same boat there with you. Like, for me personally, Golden State, they just want to get to the postseason. Mm-hmm. That's what they live for. That's what those guys do. They're just going to sit there and argue with each other, fuss and fight, do what they got to do, and win a championship. Yeah, it's family matters. Um, and number two, I have Denver sitting there. Um, a lot of talent. Uh, best player, Jokic, big man. Doesn't shoot a lot, doesn't have to shoot a lot. He's, he, he makes an impact on all areas of the game. They run the offense through him. Um, you know, he, he's somewhat of a rim protector. He's not the, the, the best athlete, so he's not the greatest at guarding the pick and roll. Um, but he makes up for that in, with his wingspan and whatnot. So, and, you know, playing up there in Denver, 41 games at home. Um, so that's 41 games where they have the upper hand on these other teams that aren't used to playing at that elevation. So I have Denver sitting at my number two. And for me, I've got OKC sitting there just for the fact that Russell Westbrook has more than just him now. Yeah. I, I know PG-13 was there last year, but he didn't look like himself. He looked more like a guy that just so happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And now he's finally starting to find his space, find his place in the offense, mm-hmm. get into that same rhythm he had on defense when he was in Indiana. Did you have um, Golden State number one? Yeah, I'm sorry. I had Golden State number one. But like I said last week, I mean, until somebody knocks them off, they're going to be number one in whatever I do. And then, of course, the Thunder. Yeah. Um, so my, my uh, third seed is actually Oklahoma. And uh, my thing with Oklahoma is uh, Russ and PG-13, they are volume shooters. And, um, you know, they require to take a lot of shots to produce. You know, there aren't a lot of other guys that can create um, or have the ball in their hands at the end of the shot clock. But um, they're high-volume shooters, and they put up big numbers, but they have to take a lot of shots to do that. So Yeah. Uh, my number three was the L.A. Lakers. I know LeBron just went down with a groin injury, but, you know, they've adapted and overcame before, and he's only going to be out for a few games. Yeah. Uh, Rondo's going to be out for a game with a sprained finger, I think. Something, yeah. Uh, and, you know, after watching them play against Golden State on Christmas, they they can make things happen. They've got, they've got so many playmakers on that mm-hmm. team, they're going to make it work. Yeah. Um, I have L.A. coming in at four. Uh I mean, LeBron James is 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 the the key to their success. I don't think that you know him missing a few games is going to be too detrimental. Um, it's they're fun to watch. They have tall guys, athletes. They can guard multiple positions. They're gritty and they play defense and they play at a fast pace. Yep. So. Uh, and I I just have the strangest feeling that Lonzo Ball is going to come out of his shell. I'm not sure. I think. Um, I think Lonzo still has a lot of potential, and he's still really young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see Lonzo as like a, a fifteen and eight type of guy. Um, I think at the at the height of his career, he could probably average twenty points, um, maybe ten rebounds. He could maybe or ten assists. He could maybe average a double double. But he is not in the position now to really be a ball dominant point guard. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm not sure that playing alongside of LeBron, his skill set actually fits the best. But, um, you know, the, the NBA season is very young, and a lot of uh, a lot of average fans really don't feel like the NBA starts until Christmas Day. Um, you know, there's a lot of ball played before Christmas, and, you know, a lot of teams go on a run after Christmas, but we've, we've not even made it to the All-Star break yet. So it's still very early and very young in the season. Um, around the All-Star break, we'll have a better understanding of what to expect from these teams. But um, that's, you know, that's this week's top four power rankings in both uh, the East and the West. And with a lot more basketball to be played, uh, we're going to see how it plays out. But uh, I'm anxious to continue watching and, um, yeah, just see how it plays out in the end. Yep. Welcome back, guys. This is uh, Fifth Period, the conclusion of uh, today's podcast. So today we're going to touch on um, the NFL playoff um, and the update of all the teams in the hunt. Um, so there's in the AFC, there, there's a lot more movement going on uh, than the NFC. And uh, we're going to cover the AFC first. Now, see, here's, here's the deal with this time of year in football. This is the time of year when guys like me are just so excited because this is when things get real. Like, you got teams that are making that push for the Super Bowl. You got teams that might not even make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you know, the AFC that it's this is the perfect example of that because there are some teams that have a shot at winning their division this week. There's other teams that might not even be going to the playoffs. Right. They're, yeah. Um, and we've seen it time and time again. Uh, teams that clinch a playoff berth, the final game of the season, could be the fifth or sixth seed. Pull it out, make a championship run. Yep, and uh, we see that we've seen that time or two in the last decade or so. Yeah. So the first team that we're looking at here, they've already clinched a playoff spot. We mm-hmm. know that, but we don't know where they're going to be, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be the one seed? Because here's the deal with that: if they beat Oakland at home, mm-hmm. which they struggled with Oakland in Oakland. Oakland played big last week. They did, and you know, apparently the Raiders aren't playing for a draft pick anymore. I don't know what happened to that. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, and, but the Chiefs, if they manage to beat Oakland at home, mm-hmm. they get the one seed, no other stipulation. Yeah, they get the number one seed, and they're locked in, good to go, home field advantage, first round bye. But if they were to somehow have the Andy Reid effect happen, yeah, and they were to lose to Oakland in Week 17, yeah, and the Chargers were, Chargers. A, were able to beat Denver in Denver, mm-hmm. The Chargers would jump all the way from that five, five spot seed to all the way to the one or the two spot, yeah. depending on another game. Yeah. But the Chiefs, if they were to lose, like we said, they would fall all the way down to the five. So, yeah. I, I mean, so if the if the Chiefs win, they clinch number one. If they lose and the Chargers win, they're going to drop to number five. Yep. So, um, guys, we don't need to be surprised. Let's be realistic here. Andy Reid does not do well. In the latter parts of the season or the playoffs, dude, it, it, it's because he's too busy being Santa. It looks like it, right? I, I mean, the whole month, um, of, the whole month of December, that dude's teams, statistically and throughout history, have checked out in December. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's somewhere else. Yeah, he, he absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think the Chiefs are going to pull out the win and probably clinch the number one seed, and I think solely because they're playing at home, and the Raiders. Are, have played a lot better and maybe more motivated than they were um, moving in to mm-hmm. or you know coming into the last three weeks. Um, but I'm still I'm going to go with the Chiefs. They're going to win, clinch that number one seed. See me, I'm I'm just going to lean to it. I think they're going to lose. Yeah, 
I, I just I think it's going to happen. I think the Raiders have been playing good. The Raiders would lo- John Gruden would love nothing more than Benson. to throw a monkey wrench into yep. all this. Um, yeah, so you're going to pick the Raiders. Uh, moving on to uh, the Patriots. Um, the Patriots right now are the number two seed moving into the final week. They play the Jets at the Meadowlands. Oh, uh, no, they play the Jets at home. At home. Okay, my bad. My no, bad. They play the good. Jets at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as of right now, if they win, they finish number two, clinch number two in the AFC playoff hunt, and um, which get would, that. Which would be horrible for all of us because they always do good getting out of the wild card. Yeah, if they get out of the wild card, they usually make a lot of noise, maybe even end up in the Super Bowl. So, so, so if somehow the Jets were to beat the Patriots, the Patriots could fall as low as three or four. Three or four. Depending on – well, I, I'm going to lean closer to the three just because of the Texans and their track record. Yeah. The Texans could pass them if the Patriots were to lose. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I think um, I think it will be a competitive game. Uh, unfortunately for everyone, I think that the Patriots win, wrap up the number two seed. And I'm in agreement with you. It's going to really suck, but – you know, it's just one of those things where we just have to hope the other teams in the AFC East get better. Yes. And because the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills, I think I could win. I could go out there and coach a team and beat all of them. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. Yeah. Um, checking out the next game, Texans. The Houston Texans are coming in at the number three seed. And mm-hmm. um, if they win and the Patriots lose, they could be a number two seed. Or if the Patri- or if the Texans win, they're locking in a number three seed. Mm-hmm. So they play Jacksonville, and they play at home. Yep. So if they win... They're a three. They're a three. If they win and the Patriots lose, they're a two. And then if Jacksonville... I mean, if the Texans lose, then they're going to drop down to number six. Yeah. And realistically, looking at the Texans, there's no reason they should walk out of that game with a loss. Oh, no, because Jacksonville... They've played better and a little more motivated, but they're still not a very good team. I mean, when they're start, they benched Kessler last week. I do know that, and they brought Blake. Bortles. Blake Bortles is starting this yeah, week. Yeah, and Bortles was Bortles actually played good, and maybe that's what needed to what happen. What he needed, yeah. Uh, but the Jaguars' defense has been reeling. The Texans' offense has been scoring quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Texans' defense has been shutting people down. The Texans could have could have uh, wrapped up the number three seed last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they played a really good game against uh, the Eagles. Yeah. And Deshaun uh, Watson led them on a late-game score. and then. Well, I'm going to be real with you. The NFL referee stole that from them. Yeah. I was watching that game, and they gave a free first down to the Eagles on that last drive. Yeah. When Clowney came through clean, they said that he put his body, put his weight, body out, yeah. and he literally yeah. stood up. Yeah. It, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You know, life happens, but... The Texans are probably going to come into this week a little angry at the world. Mm-hmm. They're going to seal the deal, and they're either going to be sitting at a two or three, depending on the Patriot game. Yeah, I'm going Texans win. They're going to sit there at the number three seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have the Ravens, um, and they're playing the Browns at home. Mm-hmm. So if the Ravens win, they're in at number four, mm-hmm. and that would be clinching the number four spot. So if the Ravens lose and the Steelers win, then the Ravens are out. Is that right? Yeah, dude, there's all kinds of crap going on with the with the AFC North right now. Yeah. Uh, if the Ravens win it, they're in. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. But if the Steelers were to win, then it opens up a whole Pandora's box of That's situations. Everything. So basically, we're going to basically, if the Ravens win, they're in. Mm-hmm. If the Ra- Ravens lose, 
They're, they could end up at the number six, or they could end up at the six or completely out. They're one right. of those. They're one of those teams. Yeah. Uh, the Steel, uh, sorry, not the Steelers. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Ravens are going to beat the Browns at home. Yeah, they're they're going to. They've got too I think much it, to play. It'll be a lot of. It'll be very competitive. But I do agree. I agree. Ravens going to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we move on to this Chargers matchup. Chargers clinched either way. Yeah, Chargers Chargers are in no matter what. But like we said with the Chiefs, they could either move all the way up to a one spot or they could fall completely backwards to the five. It's just it just depends. If they win, they move up to the one. If the Chiefs lose, mm-hmm. and if both teams win, they stay put. Yep. So it's just one of those, and the Chargers can't fall to the six. They, there's no Very way about possible. it. So, uh, so then that brings us to the last big, well, one of the one the play, of the last big ones. This is the play-in game, right? Yeah, and this is the one that comes on Sunday night NBC at eight twenty. Mm-hmm. It's the last Sunday night football game of the year. Yeah, and it's a play-in. The winner, the winner, makes the playoffs. Yeah, this is in essence an extra wild card game, and it, yeah. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of fireworks, a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's but we're looking at the Colts versus uh, the Titans, mm-hmm. and that's the the. Uh, playing at it, oh. they're playing in Tennessee. Yep, it's at Tennessee. Tennessee's got a couple defenders that aren't playing, including mm-hmm. their big sack guy, Jarrell mm-hmm. Casey. He's mm-hmm. out. Marcus Mariota's apparently got some kind of injury going on, but they're not sure if he's going to play or not. Hopefully, they come out and say whether he is soon. Uh, for me personally, with this situation, if the Colts win and the Texans win. Colts get in at six. Yeah. But if the Texans were to somehow lose and the Colts win, that opens up a whole other situation like yeah, what was happening with the Ravens where yeah. they can jump all the way up to three yeah, and, then they and the Texans will slide to six. It's just one of those yeah. deals. So uh, for me, injuries pending, not sure Tennessee is going to be 100%. I'm going to say the Colts are going to pull it out and clinch a playoff spot. And uh, – whether they're the second or the sixth seed doesn't really matter to me. I think that they win and they make the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Colts are going to make some noise in the postseason. Like if they, if the Colts win this game against Tennessee and they make the postseason, they're going to come in and they're going to win at least one of their games and they're going to make a run at this. Andrew Luck's too good of a quarterback. Uh, and then last but not least in the AFC matchups, and the only reason we're covering this is because a lot of you Steelers fans listen to this, and I'm going to try and give you guys a little bit of a hope. The Steelers are playing at Cincinnati. They have almost less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. It is minuscule amounts. I mean, we're talking about... So many things have to happen. Uh, there, there was at least three things that are like out of this world that have to happen for them to make it. And one of those was being the Colts and Texans... The, Col- the, the Colts and Titans literally have to tie. tie. And for me personally, like... There's just too much at stake there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, the Steelers win or lose doesn't matter. They're not making it. No, because one of those teams is gonna win their game. It's gonna happen. They just need to get over it. Yeah. Enjoy the off season. You're there with the Raiders. So and then figure out if uh, who's gonna be a running back and whether or not they bring your head coach back. Steelers fans. Yeah, hopefully they don't bring back Tomlin. Uh, it's getting sad at this point. So we're moving on to the NFC. The NFC is really. It, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Pretty nah. much everyone's clinched a spot for the most part. Well, see, unlike the AFC, it's really narrowed down to a list of seven teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's literally what we have the split. Yeah. And down then, to. but when we go down through it, the Saints have clinched the number one seed. They're locked in. Yep. And the Rams, at worst, they could be a three, but they're more than likely going to be a two because they're playing the 49ers in mm-hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. 
So the Raven, the Rams, I say the Rams are going to beat the Niners, and they're going to clinch that number two seed. Yeah, I mean, the Rams win, they get the two, so we'll move on to the Bears now. The Bears, in order to be anything but a three, yes, the Rams have to lose to the Niners, and we all know the likelihood of that happening is about as good as me growing a third eyeball. So, so I mean, it would, Bears are going to lock in a number three seed, um, and they're playing Minnesota uh, at Minnesota, mm-hmm. and so the Bears are going to be your number three seed, it looks like, moving in. Um, like Eli mentioned, they could be the two if the Rams lose, but I think the Bears are going to lock in a number three seed over Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then we look at the four spot. This one's pretty much a lock because of the way the NFL has their playoff set up. Yeah. If you're a division winner, you're automatically a top four seed. You can have a losing record. And We've seen look that at before. Seattle 79 and beat the Saints that year. Yeah, I mean, a losing team could be the four spot, host the playoff game. And that's what's happening here with the Cowboys. They obviously don't have a losing record, but no matter what, they're going to be a four. Yep. Uh, there's no moving up, no moving down. Uh, at this five spot right now, we have the Seahawks. Uh, you know, if they win, they're a five. If they lose, they're probably going to be a five. five. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those. Yeah. Like, if they if they lose, and the Seahawks vi- clinched, right? Yeah, they've already clinched the playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're out of the running that they're going to make the playoffs, but I just don't know how much noise they're going to make in the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, they're they're pretty much going to be going to Dallas and playing. Yeah, and it, they don't have Earl Thomas. They're the Cowboys' defense is good. It's yeah. not going to be good. So, long. basically, the Seahawks could end up being your five or six seed, depending on what happens. Yeah. I'm going to say the Seahawks are going to beat the Cardinals and clinch the number six seed. Right. Really, guys, with the NFC, most of the play, there's only one position. The sixth seed is the only seed that's not clinched. Is that correct? Pretty much. Like, the Seahawks are going to be locked in at five. All they have to do is so, just show up. So, basically, win. the NFC playoffs come down to two teams. Mm-hmm. As far as this coming week, for locking in the seeds. It's coming down between the Eagles and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So and and there's it's wacky. Well see um, this is this is where that tie came in and helped out the Vikings against yes. the Packers. Like yeah. this this is what it boils down to. If the Vikings can beat the Bears in Minnesota, yeah. They're in. Number they've six. got they've got it in as a six. Yeah. Then they're gonna probably have to play the Bears next week. Right. And the Bears don't really have anything to play for. So mm-hmm. You know, whether the Bears win or lose, they're going to be a three seed either way. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the Vikings, if they if the Vikings win, they are in. Yes. If the Vikings lose, then they have to rely on the Eagles. And you know, if the Eagles if the Eagles win and the Vikings lose, then the Eagles are in. Yes. But if they both lose, Vikings are in. Yes. And that's all thanks to that one tie because that boosts their winning percentage. That helps them towards that record, and that's the tie break. Yeah. So. Guys, I'm really surprised that the Eagles have even came back to borderline be a playoff team. That's because they play in the NFC mediocre. They do. They do. And I just, they've not been very good all year. No. And But could they somehow miraculously pull a rabbit out of the hat uh, and Nick Foles we trust and you know make some noise? They very well could. If they, if they make the playoffs, I expect them to win at least a game. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to be riding high on a win. Mm-hmm. But if they lose, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Uh, now, that wraps up all of the actual sports talk of the show. So now we actually have a little bit of a surprise for you avid listeners. So we're going to be doing a big giveaway. You guys are going to be able to pick a gift card of $25 to your choice. That's anywhere, your choice. So if you, you know, wherever you live, whatever your favorite place to eat or shop or whatever, you pick it. We'll buy it. We'll ship it to you. But here's the catch. So 
there are three big things that you have to do to get entries in this. Because if you follow these steps, you get an entry each one. The very first one, it's the biggest and most important. You need to go leave a rating and a review on either Apple Podcasts on our page there or on Google Podcasts on our page on that website. The second way to get an entry, go to our new Facebook page. It's Teachers Take WV on Facebook. Just put it in your search on Facebook. Find it. Go like it. And fo- follow and share. share if you do all of those, we'll be able to give you guys an entry. And then last but not least, I'm going to be putting out a, a new Twitter poll. We're going to be having that put out there. All you have to do is follow our page on Twitter, retweet, and like our latest poll. There you go. If you do all three of those things, that gets you three entries into a drawing for a $25 gift card of your choice. That's all you got to do. It's easy, guys. So so to, to, to uh, reiterate that, you go leave, leave a review on our Apple Podcast or Google Podcast and a rating. Then go like our Facebook page, Teachers Take WV, Teachers Take WV on Facebook. Like, follow, share. Yep. And then Twitter, you're going to follow and retweet our latest poll. And that and our Twitter handle is the same thing as our Facebook. It is Teachers Take WV. Make sure that you guys do those three things. That gets you three drawings and a shot at a $25 gift card of your choice. And uh, also, guys, if you have any questions, you can uh, DM us on any of our social medias. Uh, feel free to send us an email, teacherstakewv at gmail.com. So direct message, email, anything that you're curious about, anything you would like us to cover. Um, make it happen, guys. And, and we appreciate you listening. Um, like, follow, share, subscribe, do it all, man. Uh, word of mouth, pass it on to your buddies, to your friends, your colleagues. Um, get the word out. We're, we're really enjoying doing this. We're having a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the more followers and, and the more interaction we get with our listeners and our fans, uh, it really motivates us more to do this. And, um, you know, we, we hope that we're providing some content and some entertainment to your lives. So uh, thank you again for listening to another episode. Uh, we should have another one coming out in a week or so. So tune into that. And you guys have a happy new year, and we'll see you guys after January 1st.